0: podcasting from hartford you're listening to the connecticut scoreboard podcast your place for all things connecticut sports and here is your host jared cutler in today's episode i'm talking with quinnipiac men's basketball head coach baker dunleavy we talk about his path into coaching what he's learned from jay wright his quinnipiac team and covid in college basketball and now to my conversation with baker dunleavy So joining me uh, on today's uh, Connecticut Scoreboard podcast, we've got Quinnipiac men's basketball head coach, Baker Dunleavy. Baker, uh, thanks for joining me today. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. So, Coach, i I love to start with this question when we've got a coach on the podcast. I I know you come from a a long basketball background. When did you decide that you wanted to get into coaching?
1: Yeah, I think every coach kind of has their story of of when that – kind of clicked in as, as most of us probably wanted to be a player you know and and uh, it happens sooner for some of us than others. Um, for me you know I, I graduated from Villanova in 2006. I had the great fortune to be a part of that program for four years as an undergrad and even then I didn't really think of myself as a coach. In fact I, I wanted to uh, give myself a chance. I played overseas for um, a short time and then wanted to give myself a chance to distance myself from the game a little bit my, my dad was a coach uh, you know I was a part of a program in, in college obviously and I had a finance degree from Villanova so I had I, seen the coaching life up front and even though I loved the game I could also kind of see the tolls that it took on your personal life and uh, really more your lifestyle flexibility and and I thought coaches were crazy you know <laughs> uh, and then we are and that, that was the truth but it was also then that I realized a few a few years away from the game, working in uh, in the financial world in New York, how much I missed it. And and while I was doing that, I just said to myself, the most important thing to me is that I'm I'm truly passionate about what I do, and and if I'm passionate, then um, you know success and money and. Everything else that you, you think about will, will fix itself, but you got to be passionate about what you do. And it was around then that I decided to start begging for a job in coaching. I,
0: I know you talked there about playing at Villanova. You, you played there under some of those early Jay Wright teams there. What was it like playing for Coach Wright? And then, you know, later on in your career there, getting to serve as, as an assistant there and learning from him uh, that way.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I, I have. Uh, strong relationships with my teammates and my coaches from those times to this day and as you get older you know I mean as you become the old guy talking to young guys that's what you always you always express is you guys don't know it now but you're gonna look back and these are gonna be the best time of your life you're gonna you're gonna be friends with these guys forever and you know when you're a student you're thinking about oh man this next practice is gonna be grueling but um you know when you're older you remember those those great times of that brought you together and uh i really value those those experiences those memories as a coach now because i really watched coach Wright in his younger kind of earlier years build a program and more than anything um push through adversity and Mm -hmm. and because things weren't you know they're they're a blue blood program now two of the last three national championships etc but um you know that was built. That was really built from the ground up through a lot of a lot of turmoil, which you have to go through if you want good things. And and I got to kind of see that up close and be a part of it.
0: Yeah, when when you talk about going through some of that adversity, there, you know, for a while it seemed like Villanova was that team that would be in the tournament, couldn't couldn't quite get over the hump. And now, as you said, that they've been a blue blood, they they've dominated come come March. Did you foresee Villanova being able to turn into that program that it, that it is today?
1: No, I really didn't. I never would have thought um, that. And, and part of the reason is, like, as a player and a part of the program, I was kind of brainwashed um, and taught, you know, not to think that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's really true. I mean, we're such a, Villanova's such a process-oriented program, and you wouldn't dare think about, you know, winning back-to-back or two out of three or winning a national title. That was, yeah. that was just something that was never discussed. We never talked about championships, and again, credit to, Coach Wright, like, just kept things um, very simple and, and being the best team we can be by the end of the year, um, working hard every day, but, you know, never really talking about, like, hey, we need to win a biggie championship this year. That was that was just never the discussion. Very, very process-oriented, and I think that's the right way to be. I think you can get caught up a lot of times in results. And, you you know, you mentioned, um, you know, not being able to get past the, the first round of the tournament, et cetera. Like, when I was a player, we couldn't make the tournament. You know, we lost to Siena in um, the NIT. Well, we couldn't get in. And it was like, oh, my God, these guys can't make the tournament. And when I was an assistant, we you know, we had high seeds eventually. We earned some high seeds and lost in the first weekend. And we couldn't get out of the first weekend. And then, and now it's like, oh, it's the perfect program, you know. So yes. we, we were doing the same things over and over and over and eventually broke through, as opposed to like, oh, it wasn't working, so we changed everything. That that wasn't the way it was. It was just keep doing what we're doing and trust that it's good enough. But you just to win a championship of any kind, you you probably got to knock on the door a bunch of times to break Mm -hmm. through.
0: What's it been like now, you know, moving a a few seats down the bench and and having your own program and and serving as a head coach? (laughs) What what have been some of the biggest differences for you, you know, in, in going from that assistant and really running the program now?
1: just all the eyes go to you in terms of decisions. You know, there's just a multitude of decisions that have to be made that sometimes you're kind of like, ah, I don't know, you know, do this. And you never would have thought that, you know, the head coach has to decide on those things, but you got to choose what you want your program to be in every facet, how it's going to be run. Um, So I think it's important to learn how to delegate and trust the staff and trust your players to do things without you checking up on everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess my answer would just be when you're an assistant, you're a specialist. You know, I could come into work every day. I knew I was going to come in in the morning before kids went to class and there were two or three guys I was going to spend time with on film and working out. I'd come to practice, um, be ready to meet with coach and see what we had to go over, execute a practice, stay after, shoot with guys, watch film, get ready for my scout. It was just very like narrow minded yes. and focused. And then when you're a head coach, you just got to be so macro and, and, and broad based thinking.
0: Now that you, you've you been at Quinnipiac a few years, talk about, you know, the, the program you're building at Quinnipiac and the, and the vision you see for it heading into the future.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's an amazing place. Um, I think it's a place that uh, promotes the, all the things that I believe in, um, a place where guys can – you can bring in talented players that want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sum of what we do will be greater than, um, you know, just the just the parts and 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 have a great chemistry and synergy. I I think that's what this university is. Uh, it's a community, and all the great things about the values of this community, I hope will 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 show in our program. Um, as far as results, you know, kind of what we talked about before. Um, you know, I've been I'm proud of each year as its own entity, and we've built and I think got better each year. And we've played our best basketball towards the end of the year. Um, and, you know, the, the challenge now at our level is to continue to try and build continuity, get older together and and build, um, you know, with transfer and, um, you know, whether it be injury or recruiting, like it's just, it's a challenge to be one of the older teams in the league. And that's, that's still what we're striving for is just kind of one of these years to be yeah talented, but also one of the more experienced teams.
0: This season, uh, you know, is one unlike no one's ever had to to deal with in the past before. I, I know your team's currently on, on a bit of a COVID break. What has that been like for you? And what exactly, you know, from a coaching perspective, is that like? What what can you do with the team? Are they completely isolated? What has what is this whole uh, time been like for you?
1: Uh, Certainly. Like, I think that for everybody, I mean, whether you're in coaching or you sell insurance or whatever, whatever you do, I mean, you've been forced out of your comfort zone. Um, Ours is an existence that is very calendar based. You got your recruiting calendar, you got your game calendar, you know, we're, we have kind of like we have, we have a flow to our season that's been obviously interrupted for, for for my team and, and for myself personally, you know, it's been about taking a challenge on to be able to adapt not knowing what the next day will bring mm-hmm. and to not allow ourselves to feel sorry for ourselves and, and think about woe is me, but like, all right, or, hey, we have a two-week quarantine. How can we make that successful? Uh, we're out of quarantine. We have a game in five days. How can we pre- be prepared to play that game? And just look forward for the next challenge, uh, knowing that everything on your calendar should have an asterisk next to it that says mm-hmm. subject to
0: change. Yeah. De- definitely. In, in terms of getting back in into game action and, and ready to play play game, how long does it take a team when they've had to sit out for fourteen days t- to get back in a rhythm where you know you're comfortable out on the court? Uh? Yeah,
1: it's a great question. What, what's what's really uh, odd this year is you know that normally happens every year with individual players who get hurt.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like hey, this guy pulled a hamstring or this guy turned an ankle. You know, it's gonna take him a couple of games to get his rhythm back. Yeah. You know, so hey, this is his first game back, but he's not gonna be himself until maybe two, three, four games down the road. Well, you go through that with the entire roster. Yeah. You know, and and so um this is our first time going through it mid season. Um, but I expect that to be the challenge is like guys are gonna to react to 14 days off differently, mm-hmm. and whether it's mentally, physically, psychologically. So um you know I, I would expect the general answer would be like, "Hey, we need like probably five, six practices to get back to even just in shape, yeah, and we will play a game January first after being off for fourteen days, and we'll get we'll get probably five, six, seven, eight practices in for that, depending on health, and uh like talking to my colleagues who have been through it already, you know they just say like there's just going to be some guys who are just not themselves they're not going to be playing as well as they did before you went into quarantine." And you got to be able to adapt. and, and um, So that's, that, that is tough. I mean, I don't think there's a number you can put on it, but I think for our guys' health, you got to really, when you come back, you got to ramp it up. You can't mm-hmm. go 100% right away. Um, for their physical state, they've been sitting on their bed for 14 days. Yeah. And, and mentally as well.
0: I, I know before you guys went into pause, you, you got to play a couple games over at Mohegan Sun. What was it like getting to play in that bubble-type environment there that they had set up? Well,
1: we liked, we just liked getting away a little bit. Um, You know, our guys have been late August to, I guess, early December, you know, pretty much on campus. They haven't gone home. Mm -hmm. Um, They haven't really gone anywhere. Uh, They've been very thankful to be able to get in the gym and practice, but it was nice to kind of get out of our own kind of routine, our homes, our our dorm room and, um, and have almost like a basketball business trip. So I think that part of it was, was really good. I think, uh, the event, Mohegan Sun. They did a great job of, of being detail oriented to keep us as safe as possible. Knowing that, you know, it's just it's just an imperfect, yeah. um, imperfect thing. It's, you can't do it like the NBA, right? But, but they put a lot of work into it.
0: I I know you mentioned that the game uh, on, on January first, and kind of coming out of that period, you're going to get hit with back to back games. What's it going to be like this year with the conference schedule of playing back to backs? Uh, you know, really. throughout the rest of the season.
1: I think it's going to put the onus on the head coaches to really schedule the week really, really um, intelligently and uh, plan it out in, in a way that's going to allow your team to be able to have an effective second half of the second game. You know, I think that's where, just in talking to Ivy League coaches who do this every year, they say like the second half of the second game, you'll see kind of the effect of whether you did too much during the week um, but you also have to be in condition, ready to play the game, right. too. So balancing that, but but knowing that as the week goes on, we got to pick and choose our spots to um, to be intense, but maybe have a little bit lighter volume um, leading into those back-to-back games.
0: I, I know you got to the opportunity to play a few games before you did have to go into this pause. What, what were your thoughts on, on the team early on? You know, any, Anyone impress you in those first few games that you, you had to play?
1: But yeah, I I, thought, I think a lot of guys impressed me. And we have a lot of guys who have had their moments and what we're looking for is for guys to break through with consistency uh in that you know we have one senior um jacob regoni who's who's going to be a rock for us who's been around uh, Terry Williams is a junior who started three years other than that you know we're a very kind of green group and we've had some guys who are very talented but um have had really good moments and the moments where you can just tell hey they're they're young they're inexperienced mm-hmm. and we're in a pandemic so uh, I like a lot of the flashes we've shown individually and as a team, and I'm, I'm longing for more um, consistency. That we we know what we're going to be each day out. I think the guy probably on our team that um, excites me the most is is our our five man Seth Pinkney, who's who's seven feet. And I think that by the time it's all said and done, he'll be you know one of the best shot blockers in college basketball. He's a lob threat to catch dunks. He just He's a really dynamic five man who's really smart and gifted. Uh, He's got to continue to work on his body, but I think he can be an engine that allows us to be a really good defensive team.
0: I've got to ask uh, one of your fellow uh, conference coaches, uh, coach Patino had uh, been pretty outspoken about the rest of this season in the direction, you know, should have been started later on. Are you comfortable playing the the rest of the season as is and uh, you know, kind of at with with that schedule or do you think there needed to be some consideration to, to pushing it out?
1: I go back and forth. I totally see Coach Patino's uh standpoint in terms of if we're gonna have a season, let's give ourselves the best chance to have an actual functional season. And I think the later you push it, the closer you get to access to vaccines and, and and things of that nature. So I think his argument is totally logical. Um sometimes uh I hate to say it, but like the need for competition and the need to have revenue stream makes Mm -hmm. you a little bit uh, illogical. And that's what we're going through right now is like, it probably doesn't make sense um, to be playing now rather than maybe in a couple months when you are closer to a vaccine. And I think a lot of people would point to professional sports where they were able to pull it off at a high level, but we don't have the resources, especially at the Mac level, you know, to create a bubble or even to do take the, the procedures, um, that maybe the MLB did, you know, and the way they, mm-hmm. they travel and all those things. So I really want to play a season as much or more than anybody. I hope we can keep pushing it through. And, you know, the, the inconvenience of your 14 day quarantine here or there are the, are the worst stories we come by and, and there ends up being a postseason. Um, but I think all of us have been through enough now where we'd believe anything you told us, you know, it's like, if you had a crystal ball and say, hey, guess what? There was no, there was no March Madness this year and the season got canceled. It wouldn't surprise, I don't think, any of us. Mm-hmm. And if you said we went all the way through and had a kind of amended version of the NCAA tournament and got it on TV and all those things happened, it wouldn't shock me either. It's just so much uncertainty. So I get what the NCAA is trying to accomplish, but I think Coach Patino's point is, is very valid.
0: I'll get you out of here on this one uh growing up my my dad was a high school English teacher, and anytime uh one of my papers came up, he always wanted to throw his suggestions out there and everything coming from a family where your dad is a, a head coach uh, at at the highest levels uh what's his involvement like? Does he like to throw suggestions your way you guys talk through things a lot how, how does that work
1: he's really i was he's really good um about waiting for my inquiry you mm-hmm. know um and I, You know, he nobody loves talking ball more than him. So I know that's got to be hard for him. I think he understands as a coach. I have to kind of go my way and make my own mistakes, but ask ask questions. Um, But he doesn't. I don't think he wants to be overbearing in that way. Every coach has their own history, philosophy, Mm -hmm. um, influences. He's one of my influences. So some of the things that I do naturally are because of the way that he would teach it. But a lot of what we do is is. Things that I've seen from different coaches, obviously from Villanova, and and he gets that too. In coaching, there really isn't a right way. It's more about is it a way that helps your players be successful, and that's what kind of I'm learning as a coach as I move forward. Is like, all right, you're going to have different players than you had at Villanova with different skill sets. So as much as you like how Coach Wright does it, you may not be helping these players by doing it his way. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with my dad's way, and and so it's all about the players. Um, It's all about the team and the program functioning together. And a lot, a lot, all of his teaching to me is right. And um, it's just about what fits and he's awesome about letting me come to him. And so, you know, there's times where I'm like, "Why why doesn't he tell me what I should have done here? You know, but, but he's really good about it.
0: Awesome. Coach, I uh, really appreciate the time today. Uh, best of luck uh, as you navigate the rest of the season and uh, hope to see as many games as we can uh, this year. So thanks again for hopping on.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. Same to you. Good luck this year.
0: Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Kotler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at ctscoreboardpod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.